Hi, all. Thanks so much for watching Making Healthcare Work for You, Different Perspectives and Empowering Solutions. I'm Stephanie Fields, joined by my co-host, Dr. Apoorv Gupta. And today we welcome Unmesh Srivastava, who is the Chief Technology and Digital Innovation Officer at Clever Care Health Plan. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for the invitation, Stephanie and Apoorv. Glad to be here. I'm excited to hear more about Clever Care and how the health plan works because it's specifically tailored to the Medicare Advantage population, but with considerations around language and cultural needs. So can you tell us just a little bit about how Clever Care Health Plan is doing it differently to better serve that group of people? Absolutely. So, so we are building a health plan for Medicare Advantage seniors who have enrolled in Medicare Advantage. And our USP or the key differentiator that we are building with our plan is really to offer the benefits and to offer a experience, a care delivery experience, which is in language and really is very cognizant of your culture that you come from. Um, and the way we are doing this is our benefit packages are the benefits you're going to get when you sign up with us are a amalgamation of Eastern and Western medicine. So we've got traditional Western medicine benefits, but then we combine it with really tried and tested techniques from hundreds of years or thousands of years that come from uh, Eastern medicine, things like acupuncture, Tai Chi, yoga, herbal, herbal medication. So we add that into our benefit packages, which which helps people sort of, you know, get get them to engage in the in the preventative aspect of medicine. Um, and then apart from that, we are building an in culture and in language experience. So multilingual, multicultural, multi-ethnic. So from the point where you talk to one of the local brokers who will help you. Uh, buy the insurance, they, they are in language, they can speak your language um, to the point where you engage with the health plan. All of our member advocates can speak in your language and understand your culture. And so is our physician network that we've built. They, are, they will understand your you know, language and culture. They speak the same language and that's how we built the, the, the physician network who's gonna service you. So what this does is, you know, in the, in the age of, uh, personalization, like what, you know, Amazon or Netflix or Uber is doing, um, where they are bringing concierge medicine, uh, when they're bringing concierge services uh, to you, very tailored to you, we are trying to do that here. So we are, you know, otherwise traditional medicine is very focused to English speaking population, we are trying to break that and sort of, you know, uh, people talk about health equity, we are trying to solve it you know, in real time with what we are building. Yeah, and Mesh, I find this really fascinating. I've not heard of another offering like this, as uh, you're indicating, this seems to be fairly unique. Uh, before we uh, get into some of the nitty gritty uh, questions that I'd love to ask, let's understand a little bit more of the demographics that you're serving. I think you had mentioned they're particularly Asian populations, but if you can unpack that a little bit so our audience can understand, who is this appealing to? Yeah, I mean, we are two years in, we are still a startup. And so far, most of the populations that have signed up with us are, you know, Koreans, Korean speaking. Uh, we've got Vietnamese, we've got Cantonese, Mandarin, some Cambodians. Um, and then we also get regular English and 
and Spanish speaking, but you know, mostly it has been around the Asian populations who we see sign up. But the future for us is we want to unlock language by language and culture by culture and grow this out as a multi-ethnic, multilingual health plan and multicultural. So as we grow, we also foresee growing out our offerings to other cultures and you know folks who speak other languages. So you're obviously trying to bridge the language and culture gap in terms of the services you're providing. It's interesting that you're bringing in all of these additional, uh, let's say, alternative medicine services as well that you think will bridge the gap. Uh, but as you mentioned, it's uh, you're you're trying to combine East and West. And I guess the thought I was having is there are a lot of Spanish language speakers in this country. Uh, does the Eastern Western influence or alternative medicine appeal just as much to those Spanish language speakers as well? Yes. I mean, I, I think as we grow um, our plan out, well, I think as you see, I'm, I'm sure with pandemic, not just Spanish speaking across the world, I've seen the, the, the uh, adoption of herbal medication, especially the, it's been, it's taken a huge uptake in last three years, right? Turmeric, which I remember growing up in India, was a central part of our diet, and part of that was its capabilities from a antibiotic and you know as just for internal healing and mental wellness. It was central, but now around the world, turmeric is mainstream. So is ginger, right? To ginger and and garlic sort of increases your uh, uh, you know, uh, antibodies, right? And things like that. So I just feel like Eastern things from, you know, stuff from uh, tried and tested techniques from Eastern medicine are, are going to appeal to all. But as we grow, as I was saying, right, as we unlock culture and languages, we also see growing out these benefit packages to bring in more alternative medicine in it as as we grow so in the future i personally feel that as we grow out and we also try bringing in you know a lot of spanish speaking population it'll it'll uh, we'll also bring aspects of the culture within our benefit packages it's interesting because you said that you have very low inpatient rates too so that suggests that people really are invested in the preventive care that you're offering and then i love how you're trying to really service everybody. You said, meet them where they are for, you know, their culture and their language and all of the things, um, trying to improve health equity overall. And I thought that was really cool. And you mentioned that there's going to be community centers, which struck me because that's something that's so important that a lot of people, once they become seniors do lose is that daily connection to other people. So do you think playing this out in the future, a road we haven't talked about, do you think that having all of these different people and these different thriving groups within these community centers, that they're going to take pieces from one culture to another and hopefully, you know, thrive even more than they might've been, whether happily within their own groups that you're already servicing? Absolutely. And I think uh, our whole point of building the community centers as, you know, our CEO is very focused on this and he always tells, you know, across the organization is every experience that our members have with our plan and our system should be a memorable experience. And we want to give them not just like a health plan, we want to give them a social experience, which will, you know, help them 
through these years, like they've worked hard in their lives and now it's time to, you know, sort of uh, uh, be a little bit more, uh, uh, you know, leave aside all of the worries of life and hey, get to a community center and we'll, so will be other seniors and have a good time there. You know, we have so many activities there and it's really not like culture focused. Our, our community centers are where, uh, seniors come, they interact with each other. We have different programs. We have, uh, you know, all these things we offer within our community centers, irrespective. Uh, the, the goal is to have our seniors come and interact with each other. A lot of times, you know, they are in social isolation and th this is really breaking out that social isolation where they can come together and talk and interact and, you know, have fun. Yeah, it's, it's remarkable what you're talking about. It feels like, uh, on the one hand, it's kind of a relatively straightforward thing to say we're going to offer language and culture-sensitive type uh, services. But if you think about it, actually, when you think about access or compassion, then it really does begin with language. Because for a lot of people, the connection that they want to have with others is truly based on their native language. So... I think it's uh, pretty remarkable what you're doing, and I would love, just love to hear a little bit more about how you've come to uh, realize that language and culture can be such a key to improving healthcare uh, beyond you know just the typical access, but more in terms of also uh, providing compassionate uh, delivery of services as well. Yeah, no, that's a that's a great question, Apoor. Um, you know, I'm a I'm, I was not born in US, I was born in India. And I can tell you firsthand from my experience, you know, when you interact or, you know, I, I think, well, I think probably myself won't be a good example. I can talk about my mom. She visits me quite often. She lives in India. She's here. But I think one of the things that I see is she's more comfortable because English is not her first language. She speaks in Hindi she's more comfortable with that. Now, can she um, still stretch speaking English? Yes, she can. But I think her comfort zone is really her language and her culture that she was born and raised in, right? And that's sort of a gap that, that I think, especially in our healthcare system, if you see in the US, is very like English focused, English speaking, very traditional in terms of the benefit offerings. And I think that led um, to the founders of the company and they're all, all three of our founders um, come from, you know, their parents, like, you know, I know our, our CEO Mayong is, is a Korean, uh, he's a Korean American, but his parents, he always tells us, hey, I wanna build this health system for my mom. And I, he has his, uh, you know, his mom is, has signed up with the plan and and gets that real-time feedback. So I think anyone who was first generation here who do not speak in English as their first language have this, um, it's not easy to interact. We've, you know, that's a big gap. Like, you know, so so we are trying to build a health system which they can feel comfortable with as, as they engage in their care. And that was the whole, uh, thesis of building the company by all the three founders and uh, and the fact that we are getting membership people are signing up with us very quickly um, is a testament to that that you know whatever we are doing is working because you know that this is really a market gap um, 
that we've identified. I absolutely love that we're talking about a health plan, but we're not really having, you know, the typical conversations that we might about a health plan about, you know, who's paying this claim, who's doing that. You know, we're, we're having a conversation about the human aspects of it. And again, you're the you know, chief tech, technology and digital innovation officer. So you're on the side that's you know, behind the computer, yet you're still so hyper-focused on the human experience. And that's amazing. And I think that's a hard line to walk for people who are running a health plan because there are behind the scenes, there absolutely have to be all those things about claims happening and coverages and approvals and all the things and the senior population does have a lot of needs with chronic health care. So it's so cool that you're able to walk that line so nicely and then also be hyper-focused on their life experience, not just their health experience and being able to ensure that when they call, they're hearing from somebody in their own language and that if they don't want to do anything by computer or an app, that you can handle that for them and have all of these concierge services. It's remarkable. And how does that make you feel to know that you are truly making a difference in the way that these people are not only experiencing healthcare, but experiencing life in the US really? Yeah, no, it's, it's uh, that's the genesis of how the organization was formed, right? And uh, this is a message given by the entire leadership team and I'll say that if I was not talking to you today and you were talking to one of our member services rep or one of our claims associates, they will be equally passionate about this mission because everyone who's joined this organization um, comes, there's a mission value attached to it. Um, I feel great about what we are building because Frankly, like we all talk about health equity, we talk about, you know, it's the new cool word in, in healthcare is health equity. Um, we talk about uh, providing care to our seniors. What we are doing here is, is really, we are solving that problem and hitting the nail on its head with what we are doing. So I feel great about it. And the other side of it is as a techie, I'll tell you, a lot of engineers who are working in healthcare could have probably made much more money if they were in another sector outside of healthcare. But I really feel that there's always a mission value attached to, you know, especially that I, I see a lot of technologists who work in healthcare, there's that mission value, something that happened in the family, something that happened to their near and dear ones that, that drove them into healthcare and they never walked away. So I feel like, you know, I've been a caregiver to, uh, you know, my father. I've been a caregiver to my grandparents while I grew up. And I feel like, can I do this at scale? Which is what I'm trying to do here. And um, it's, it's a great, it's a great feeling. I love your story and love the passion that you're bringing, uh, the mission dedication you're bringing. Uh, I, what I found really fascinating also when we were speaking earlier is your, how you're using the technology to try to create this interaction and how you're using it to create uh, the, the scale. So if you can help our audience understand how you're, uh, you know, what is your approach so that you're able to actually use technology uh, to make this such a seamless experience for your members, that would be very helpful. Absolutely. So the way we see, I think we are ultimately outside of, as if you run a health plan, you are really a data oriented. It's almost like a data company, right? 
Um, we lay a lot of emphasis on data. So we are building or we, as we are growing, we are expanding a tech stack that we call Clever Cloud. We've built our entire data operating system on AWS. We are ingesting structured, unstructured data from various different places, PCPs, hospitals, SNFs, LTACs, pharmacies, labs, uh, any fire interactive interfaces that are out there for us to get biometrics and other data elements from you know, Apple Data Exchange and so forth. Um, we are bringing that and concatenating that into both our data lakes and, and our data warehouse, which is where we integrate all this data. On top of that, we've got a cognition layer, a, a curation layer where we are building AI, machine learning and rules-based engines Example, we do dynamic risk stratification of our population. How What we are doing differently in dynamic risk stratification is a lot of other organizations you're going to go to is very focused on your clinical data. So I'm going to look at Apoor's last three years of diagnosis. I'm going to look at Apoor's last six months of ER data, like how many ER visits did he have? What is his medication history? So it's very clinically focused to do risk stratification, but we feel that social and cultural is also a big part of your risk stratification, like what's your clinical or just overall health risk. So we are including things like social determinants data and cultural data. We are looking at things like, is, is a poor a digital native? Is a poor, how many family members does he have? What is the nearest PCP? How far is the PCP? Is a poor mobile or not, uh, right? So things like that. Uh, we are also doing cultural studies. So we are trying to bring that holistic clinical, social, and cultural aspects into building our risk stratification. And then we are positioning that at the point of service. And when we say point of service, we are sharing this data back, back to our clinician physician network. We are sharing this data across all of our applications that touch our members in some way, shape or form. So I'll give you one example, like our member advocate team, people who you're gonna call if you have any issues or people who are gonna call you if they think that you need care or, or there's something that, that you should do in order to better your health. Um, so our member advocate team, we have given them a front end built on part of this Clever Cloud tech stack is a CRM we've built on Salesforce. So part of Salesforce is where we have integrated this knowledge base of culture language uh, data, which is on their fingertips. So when they are talking to, to you, they know you speak in Hindi, they will have call scripts built for you. They will have um, FAQs that they can answer in language, right? They have omni-channel texting and calling and video calling support that we have so that they can have an interaction with you. And then on top of that, every interaction they're having with you, we are trying to make sure that you do not have to go from one phone call to the second phone call. So within that one phone call, if you need to get in front of your doctor, we are piping in from the back end all, our, all of our provider schedules so they can schedule a visit for you right there and then and give you a confirmation. If you're immobile or you cannot, you know, if you need help with transportation because you don't have family members around you, we are integrating our transportation APIs in there. Um, if you need a telehealth appointment, we can book that right there. If you want us to send an NP at your home, a nurse practitioner, we can do that. So 
the whole goal is in that one interaction, we really want to solve for your current problem and your future need. And that's kind of what differentiates this experience. And we want to make it in culture, in language, sensitive to, you know, your clinical and social, uh, you know, uh, strata. So, yeah, this is part of the, the, the exciting, you know, piece of multicultural, multilingual plan. And then we have all the you know, claims and contracting, credentialing, prior auth, all of that stuff that we are building on the back end. You make this look easy to handle all of these things and do these considerations. And I'm sure that your passion is driving you through that. But we know that it's not easy because you're one of the only ones that we've talked to who have done anything like this. And if there are others doing the same, they're certainly few and far between. So what are some of those challenges when you're building this? Is it, what's the biggest thing for you that you think like, okay, I've got to solve that. Is it the, the equity of getting these people to somebody who can understand them and their culture? Is it trying to get data from previous providers if they might be in different places? What is the, what are some of these challenges? Because you're making it look easy and other people need to know how to do it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, it's never easy. Whenever whenever you're building something different and something which is first of its kind, I don't think it's easy, but I think your passion and you know what you're trying to do helps you overcome that. And the fact that you're in a startup removes all the red tapes that you have to go through when you're in a large organization. Uh, so that helps as well. I think some of the core things that we are trying to do is we go back to our principles, right? Every project, every initiative we do has to have some impact on the quadruple experience, right? Quadruple goal. Is it improving patient experience? Is it, is it helping cut down the cost of care? Is it improving provider experience? Is it improving quality of care? Um, I think there are multiple aspects. One, as you know, data is is really what drives healthcare. Uh, there's always challenge getting the data. There's so much unstructured data out there, but what we are trying to do is we are bringing in like very deep engineering AI, ML technology. Like, you know, we implemented Amazon Textract, which, which helps us ingest all this structured, unstructured data in the form of charts and in the form of soap notes and convert that into structured data and then bring it back into our DW or even mine it while it's unstructured, right? That integrations like provider office scheduling integration is very hard to build a pipeline directly with our PCP network to get access to their schedules. But we are trying to work uh, through multiple routes to get that. Remote patient monitoring is another thing we are now starting up for our, you know, diabetics and CKD and CHF patients. Um, very hard to build continuous. It, it's it's not it not it's not as much of a tech problem, but there has to be people. There has to be the payment model innovation. There has to be other things which come into it. So I think as as tech as healthcare tech, going back to your question, there are multiple things which are challenging. Um, but the great thing is, you know, there's so much work done outside of healthcare. We are trying to build, bring that into healthcare in a compliant way. And the fact we don't have to deal with all the red tape just helps us, you know, get through through these things and try to solve problems. Thank you so much for being here and telling us all about Clever Care Health Plan. It's a really cool idea. I love it. Thank you. Thanks for having me on.
Wonderful conversation. Thank you, Inmesh. Thank you, Apoor. And thank you all for watching. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.